This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. More Hasidic stories from the holy city of Jerusalem. You know, when normal people meet each other on the street, they'll say to one another, how are you doing? And for the most part, people don't really answer the question. In my circles, they'll say, Baruch Hashem. And if chas v'shalom, God forbid somebody actually wanted to share their problems with you, a lot of people wouldn't have the patience to listen. But amongst Hasidim, when they meet one another, they say, tell me, do you have a good story that I can take with me? One time, the Stretton Rebbe, who was the greatest student of the Holy Streletzker, he told this story. He said, when I was little, my father was very wealthy. We would travel all over Russia. Late one night, when we were traveling, we drove into a little village. It was winter. It was snowing and freezing cold outside. Wanting to get out of the cold, we were just looking for one home that had a candle lit in the window. And when we found a house... We knocked on the door, and a very old man greeted us. Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem Shalom. He was so happy to see us. There was so much warmth in his eyes. There was something so special about him. We ended up not sleeping very much that night. We stayed up all night talking with him. The next morning when we were about to leave, my father, of course, was a chassid. He says to the old man, Please, before we go, can you please tell us a story that can carry us until Mashiach comes? And this is the story that the old man told the father of the Stredner Rebbe and his son, who would one day become the Rebbe. The old man said, When I was a little boy, I also traveled with my father. And in those days, Jews were not permitted to live in the cities unless they were very wealthy. When we traveled in the country, my father and I wore big yarmulkes, big kipot, and let our tzitziot hang out. But that was only in the country. When we went into the big city, I'm sorry to say that we would put our tzitziot inside of our shirt and take off our kipot and put on hats to fit in with the other rich Russian men. One time we went to St. Petersburg and we checked into the fanciest hotel in the city. When we got there, of course, we didn't look like Jews. It's true my father had a beard, but so did every man in those days. He wore a top hat and a beautiful suit. In his tzitziot, he had tucked into his shirt so nobody could see. And even though wealthy Jews were permitted to be in the city, we were still scared. And late one night, while we're sleeping in the fanciest hotel in St. Petersburg, the strangest thing happened. From all corners of the city, we heard the sound of a shofar blowing. We looked at one another and we said, what's going on here? So we went down to the lobby. There, everybody's listening to the shofar being blown. So we asked people what's going on. They said a very strange army is camping outside of the city. They're wearing strange clothes and they're doing strange things. And they're the ones that are blowing that strange instrument. And then a message reached us that this strange army sent a message to the Tsar saying that they came in peace and they were requesting permission to stay in the city for a short amount of time. 
And suddenly word went around that two of the soldiers would be staying in the same hotel that we're staying in. The next morning, my father and I woke up early. and We went down to the dining room to drink some tea. And then we saw the most amazing thing. There were two holy Jews standing there, unashamed, with their talus and tefillin on, davening the morning prayers out loud with a strong voice. They weren't scared of anyone beating them or calling them dirty names because those Jews, whoever they were, they weren't in exile like my father and I. And we stood there and looked at them in awe. Look at these Jews who stand amongst the goyim, the non-Jews, not scared of anything, proud to be a Jew, wearing their talus and tefillin with pride and speaking and davening in such a strong voice. But then suddenly we heard the shofar again. Two men took off their tefillin and their talesim, wrapped them up, and they were gone before we even had a chance to ask them who they were. And then that evening we heard a knock at the door, but it wasn't a strong type of knock. It was a very gentle knock. The two soldiers that we saw that morning were back, but they looked different. The pride that we saw in the morning was gone. And instead of davening in the lobby with a loud voice, they simply walked through the lobby and went to their rooms. And the next morning, my father and I, we woke up early again. We went down to the lobby and we saw the two soldiers. They were davening, but they weren't davening like they had davened the day before. It was so sad. It was like Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur, all wrapped up in one. They were crying. Their tears were tears for the destruction of the Holy Temple and the exile of the Jewish people into the diaspora. And then my father had this idea. He said to me, let's take off our hats and put on our yarmulkes and pull out our tzitziot as far as they'll go and join those two Jews in their davening. And when the two Jewish soldiers saw us davening with such pride, like they had done the day before, one of the soldiers suddenly turns around and he sees me and he comes over to me and he kisses my tzitziot and put his holy hands on my head. And when they finished davening, my father started speaking with them in Yiddish, but they didn't understand Yiddish. So he spoke with them in Russian. They didn't understand that either. So he says to them in Hebrew, Miatem, who are you? They said, we are from the ten lost tribes of the Jewish people, the ten holy tribes, and we're waiting to go back to the holy city of Jerusalem. Every morning in Shemaim, in heaven, the whole world is put on a scale to see whether the good deeds outweigh the bad deeds, and we'll be able to come back to the holy land and the holy city. And yesterday morning, there was a voice in heaven. For the first time, there are more good deeds. And so we ten tribes, we walked out together. And we said we're going back to Jerusalem. And we came here to Russia, to this town, to this city. And we stood on the outskirts of the city. We were telling the Tsar, we are here to pull the Jews out of their slumber, to pull them out of their deep sleep and wake them up and remind them that they are Jews, that they should be proud to be Jews like we are. So my father said to the soldiers, so what happened? One of them said, what happened? Somewhere in the world, one person killed another. Then all of a sudden, there were more evil deeds than good deeds. And in heaven, they said, it's not time for Mashiach to come. It's not the time for the final redemption. And the soldier said, so I'm sorry, my sweetest friends, but we're going to have to go back to heaven and wait again until there's a sign that we can come back into this world, back to the Holy Land with all the Jewish people, wherever they are in the world. And my father said to the soldier, you know, it's beautiful what you said, 
that I'm a bit of a skeptic and it's kind of hard for me to believe such a crazy story like yours. Please give me a sign. Give me a sign that when I tell this story, people will believe me. People will believe that I met two soldiers from the ten lost tribes of Israel. And so the soldier took out a piece of paper from his pocket. And he handed it to my father. And he said, here you go. My father looks at it, flips it from one side to the next. Both sides of the paper are blank. There's nothing there. So my father says to the soldier, what is this, a joke? And the soldier says, no. Nope. After Yom Kippur, I want you to hold this piece of paper up to the moonlight. Because everybody knows when Yom Kippur is over, we say Kiddush Lavana, we sanctify the new moon. He said, and when you greet and bless the new moon, hold the paper up to the light of the moon. And if you have holy vision and your heart is pure, you will see your name on this blank piece of paper. And if you have really clear eyes, you will be able to see the name of your father. And if you have even purer eyes, you will be able to see the names of your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. And if you keep on looking, and your eyes are a name Mashiach, are eyes that are able to see the final redemption, then you will be able to see the day when Mashiach comes. But only if you're on the level, my sweetest friend. But only if you're on the level. And so, in awe and gratitude, my father took the paper from the holy soldier who had come down from heaven from one of the ten lost tribes. My father was a follower, he was a chassid of Reb Mordechai Neshchizer. And chassidim would say that there are three people who knew when Mashiach was going to come. Yaakov Avinu, our father Jacob, Yechezkel Hanavi, Ezekiel the prophet, and the Rebbe, Reb Mordechai Neshchizer. Now how could that be? And the answer was, since my father was a chassid of the Rebbe, and he knew the Rebbe, had true holy vision, had Mashiach eyes, he brought this piece of paper back to his Rebbe and told him what the Jewish soldier had told him back in St. Petersburg. And all Yom Kippur, the Rebbe and the Hasidim, were waiting for the blowing of the shofar to signal that the holiday was over. All of the Hasidim went outside and blessed the new moon, saying, Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem Shalom, Simen Tov Tov. And then Reb Mordechai said to my father, Hold the blank piece of paper up to the moon. And he saw his name. Mordechai ben Dovber. Then he saw the names of his ancestors going all the way back to Avram Avinu, Abraham our father. And then the Rebbe began to read the names of his children and grandchildren, Yitzchak ben Mordechai, Yosef ben Mordechai. And he continued with his great-grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. And then he stopped and he said to the Hasidim, Come quickly, light a candle and hold the candle very close to the paper. And the Neshchizer looked deeper into the paper, and then he took it and burned it from the flame of the candle. And the Hasidim see this holy, blessed piece of paper go up in flames. They look at the Rebbe and they say, Rebbe, what did you do? He said, I saw when Mashiach is coming, but it's not information for everyone to know. And so my eyes saw it, but your eyes cannot. And that's why I had to burn the paper. You know, friends, paper that has letters on it, it's holy. But a blank piece of paper can be even holier. When you find a blank piece of paper, hold it up against the candle of your soul. Find your name, find your father's name, and cry out to Hashem to connect you with your forefathers, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Moshe and Aaron, Yosef and David. And when we're all able to be the candle for one another, 
then on that day, Mashiach will come. And with that, the old man finished his story. He turns to my father and he says, so here's a story to carry you until Mashiach comes. And now your job is to share this story with others, just like I did for you. Okay, so I have one more short story for you. The Heiliger Sanzer Rebbe, Chaim of Sanz. Everybody knows that he had difficulty with one of his feet. And it got to the point where he needed an operation. And it would be very painful for the Rebbe. So the doctor said, I'm going to have to give you an injection and put you to sleep so you won't feel the pain. But Reb Chaim says to the doctor, I'll make a deal with you. Don't give me an injection. And you can do your surgery. Just let me do my thing. But do me one favor. If I don't open my eyes after the operation is over, just don't disturb me. Because I don't know how long the operation is going to take. And I'm not going to fully be here in this world. And I might be on the table for a few more hours beyond the operation. Just promise me that you won't wake me up. So the doctor says, okay, Rebbe, if you say that you can handle the pain, I'm willing to do it without an anesthetic. And so Reb Chaim of Sanz closes his eyes, and all of a sudden it looks like he's not in this world. Color in his face changed. His body stopped moving. He was barely even breathing. And just like the Sanzer Rebbe said, the doctor was able to operate everything he needed to do. And the Sanzer's body didn't move for one second. It didn't respond to any pain. And after the operation was over and all of the stitches were in, the doctor looks at the Sanzer Rebbe and it appears as if he's not breathing. His face turned white. And the doctor says, I think maybe the Rebbe died during the surgery. He put his hand to feel a pulse. He didn't feel a pulse from the Rebbe. Tried to feel if he was breathing. Couldn't tell if the Rebbe was breathing. So the doctor goes to the Rebbe's children who were standing outside the operating room. And he said, I'm so sorry. It appears that your father has left this world. So the children who knew their father, they said, he leaves this world all the time. And the doctor is like, no, I mean, he died. The children said to the doctor, can we go see our father? And he said, sure, of course. They come and they say to the doctor, if our father said he's okay, then we're going to trust he's okay. Just leave him on the operating table and give him the time that he asked for. For the next four hours, Sanzer Rebbe laid on the operating table. It looked as if he had left this world. But then he gently opened his eyes and he says, where's the doctor? Someone called the doctor. And the doctor comes running in and he says, doctor, was the operation okay? The doctor says, Rabbi, I hope you don't mind me asking, but what did you do? What did you really do? So Reb Chaim said, I want you to know that my teacher, the Holy Master, Reb Naftali Rapshitzer, he taught me something. Everybody knows how to feel joy, right? We always need a reason for feeling joy. Something good happened, so I have a reason to be happy. And when do we feel pain? When there's a reason to feel pain. But I know how to be joyous for no reason other than the fact that I was born a Jew. And if I'm joyous, there's no room for pain. So I simply brought myself to the highest level of joy, being so connected to a Kadosh Baruch Hu, so connected to Hashem, that it's as if I'm not even in this world. I reached a place of such holy ecstasy that I was completely united with Hashem, me and my soul, and I left my body behind. And so when you did the surgery, even though my body was here, I was someplace else. 
The truth is, I didn't even want to come back down. But in heaven, they told me I still had more work to do in this world. And so I woke up. And that's when I called you, doctor, to see if everything had worked out. So you see, my sweetest friends, it's natural for us to feel pain. It's easy to feel pain. It takes real work to feel joy. Especially joy that's not dependent on something else. The joy of being a chassid. The joy of being a Jew. And the joy of being connected to a Kadosh Baruch Hu. When we hear stories of tzaddikim like the sons of Rebbe, so I don't know about you, my sweetest friends, but for me, that's a very high level to reach. And when I tell the story, I don't expect you and me to reach that level. But what I want to learn from the story is that it exists. And if you know that it's there, maybe you can grab onto a little piece of it whenever you need it. And the better you get at jumping up and grabbing that piece of joy, the closer you can get to Hashem. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. As always, please continue sharing the podcast. I see every week the numbers are growing and more and more people are listening. And even more and more people are stopping me on the streets of Jerusalem to say hi. So thank you for listening and thank you for sharing. And to all the contributors of the podcast, thank you so much for your contributions. If you'd like to become a contributor, just go to my website. And until next week, my sweetest friends, have a beautiful Shabbos. Sei gesund.